In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Jared Mitchell about how he grew his brand to over seven figures in less than 12 months. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 98. You're about to listen to a show where I interviewed Jared Mitchell. The content is super good, but we did have a few audio problems. So just to let you know, it does get a little better towards the end, um, but the audio is cutting out a bit. So I urge you to, if you can, hang in there, listen through the show because the content is very good. Right up until the end, he gives some really good tips. So definitely, um, I apologize for the audio issues, but if you can stick in there, uh, it'll be well worth it, I promise. Thanks. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Jared Mitchell. Jared has been working e-commerce as an owner and consultant for over 14 years. Currently, he is the senior e-commerce analyst for nailpatel.com and quicksprout.com. I asked Jared on the show today to talk about how he grew his business to over seven figures in less than 12 months. So, hey, Jared, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. How are you, Charles? Good. Awesome to have you on the show. Um, it's going through your bio. You've done a lot of things in the past 14 years, um, but I'm definitely interested to hear about the brand and kind of what you've been working on there. So you were saying it's a um, a skincare product line? Yeah. My wife and I, um, for about 13 years, have owned a popular retail store here in the United States called skincarebyelena.com. And it um, specializes in product lines that essentially don't want to be sold online, which is kind of odd. Um, but when we started it, Amazon was still selling books. I mean, this is like a long time ago. And it was before, like, I don't even know if Shopify was a company. <laughs> it was before, like, everything. Um, yeah, this is, going, so this is 12 years ago when you started doing this. Probably more now. Wow, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I built a website from a flyer that I got on the side of the aisle at Costco, literally, like <laughs> how to build a website. And it was all called order. And I figured out Google AdWords, like through their wizard back then. And um, and I just, you know, to my wife, I'm like, hey, you sell two or three retail lines in your data platform right now. Why don't we try to put them for sale and see if people you want to buy these things online? And um Sure enough, they did. I didn't even have like a cart built at the time. I mean, it was like you had to have like a hundred grand to have a shopping cart built back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it used to be you needed like a team. It was like this whole thing. Like you just you yeah. had to be basically like a major retail brand if you wanted to go online at that point. That was the only people that could afford like e-commerce. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. These days, you can like have one built in like fifteen minutes with Shopify for like thirty thirty dollars or something. <laughs> It's like people on a free trial, you talk to them and you're like, how long have you been in e-commerce? They're like 30 minutes. And like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely has changed. So, and how long, so how long were you actually running the retail store for before you were running the retail store first and then went online for a while? Yeah, we were, we were running that retail store for, for quite a while. Um, We had a day spa at the time too. So my wife was doing services and we went from like, selling two or three brands to selling over 300. And over the years, she started doing less and less uh, facials. And people honestly stopped coming in to purchase product so much as well because shipping's free and easy, you know. So we have people down the street that order from us instead of coming in. But um, we've always adapted 
to our customers and you know customer happiness satisfaction is like number one for us so we've grown that business over the years and um of course we've hopped on the amazon bandwagon but we noticed that they were cutting into our uh, sales um, over the last three or four years so we decided to start our own product line um which is kind of interesting because our retail store is still growing it's just not growing at the same rate that it was before so you know half the u.s is still um shopping on amazon and and half of them are still not shopping on amazon you know we'll see what the stats look like after holiday this year but um where's it still located by yeah we decided what state are you guys in california california okay yeah yeah so we obviously had a bit of an edge when we started our brand because my wife the the retail store had her name and image all over it and she sort of built up this following as an influencer in our industry but when i look back at the numbers i realized that actually we would have um hit seven figures in the first year if she wasn't <laughs> really okay so yeah, so, that yeah, definitely how, yeah, so how did you launch the brand and kind of grow to that so quickly then? Because I feel like there's so many folks out there, they kind of, they go to start a brand and then, you know, quite a long time goes by and it's just very incremental progress. This sounds like you were able to kind of just get up to that level very quickly. Well, the funny thing is we actually haven't launched a brand yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the first year we grew to seven figures in sales. Um, our biggest problem is keeping product in stock, you know? And so as far as the sales channels we've pursued, we have three. And right now it's Amazon, our retail store, which is a Magento store, Skincare by Elena, and then our Shopify store, which is our brand site, Elena Mitchell. And um, we also have uh, some places on Google where we sell it as well. And, uh, you know, but for the most part, most of our sales are running through our retail store, our brand site, and Amazon. So when you say a brand site, this is other retailers are selling your brand, and then you have a retail site where you're directly selling to consumers. We haven't launched wholesale yet. So we actually just opened up our first wholesale account um, yesterday. We, okay. <laughs> we received a payment. And it's so funny because that wholesale customer heard of us through Amazon. Like We aren't looking for wholesale customers, but we decided to do it just to literally get like our ducks in a row. Like, how do we accept the credit card? How do we get the tax form? Like, you know, how do we do the accounting? Like, how do we send them the invoice in NetSuite? Like all that stuff. So yep. literally this morning before this call, my wife and I were like pulling our hair out trying to get all the ducks in a row for that. So yeah, we're uh, we're launching wholesale later this month, speaking at a, a trade show for beauty professionals in Northern California called San, it's uh, Face and Body in San Jose. And we're launching our wholesale effort there with a booth. We're going to be emailing all of our customers, posting all over social, you know, just making it known that we have enough stock now to supply to wholesale. And, um, and then also we're launching a digital product that teaches beauty professionals how to do what we've done online. Wow. So we're hoping to kind of create some synergy there to open up some more wholesale accounts. So when did you start selling the brand? Let's kind of start off there. And what, and what did you pursue first out of these channels? Yeah, we've done a lot of testing um, over the last three or four years. We didn't start selling it at first. We actually started an eye cream under my wife's name as a test. And I highly recommend this 
for you, even if you have a brand or just a retail store, like when you give away a discount, you know, you give away like 20% off and order over 200 or whatever, that's like 40 bucks. So I decided to do a split test. I'm a big fan of split testing because of Neil, you know? And um, the idea was, okay, well, instead of giving away $40 on this order, what if I offer the customer an eye cream that has a value of $40? And so they get eye cream and they feel like they got that $40 value still, but I only paid $5 for the eye cream, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> so one. I just saved $35 in margin and I built my own brand. Yeah. And if they like the eye cream, they might come back and buy more at that point. Well, that's what happened. That's how our brand started. We didn't even have it for sale. We offered it as a free gift. And then people literally started calling us. They're like, this is good. We buy the eye cream. We're like, no. <laughs> oh, okay. So you were selling so you were selling other brands' products at that point, but just at checkout, here's a free, you know, if you spend over, let's say two hundred, here's the eye cream, and it happens to be our eye cream with our, you know, your wife's name on it. So that's how you started getting exposure through the re the through selling other people's products, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's my strong opinion that if you have a retail store right now, um, you need to be starting or investing in your own brand, you know, kind of like what Costco did originally with Kirkland. Do your version of that um, in order to combat Amazon, because I just feel like they're going to keep inching in and cutting away at retailer sales. Well, that's almost something. That's a tip, too. Even if you're just e-commerce only, right, and you're selling I mean, you could be selling just on your own site or through Amazon. And if you include a free gift that happens to be your brand, if you have something like that brand that's, you know, it, it depends what your brand is, right? If you're selling something that's a $1,000 value, you can't do this. But if you can find something that's branded that's a $40 value, even if you're selling online, you can include that in an order. And it sounds like a great way of kind of just upping the value of the orders that you're sending out, but also, you know, making it more desirable instead of giving like a coupon, that sort of thing but also getting exposure for your brand, just like you did with the retail store. Yeah, and our funnel's pretty tricky with it these days. Um, throughout our entire customer journey, we will try to upsell, downsell, cross-sell them onto our own product line. We also give them other options. We don't want to be overly salesy, but if you own a, an online store, whether it's retail or your own brand, and you're not either testing or utilizing a pre-purchase order bump page, if you own any store for like a brand or retail and you're not currently testing or utilizing a pre-purchase order pump, um, a post-purchase upsell or a post-purchase confirmation page upsell and even a cart page upsell, you're missing out on four huge, huge opportunities to cross-sell, upsell, downsell them on your own brand or even on another brand that you retail. That's something that we've done for about 10 years. And I, the idea I got was this print. Like, I bought postcards, business cards for them, like, 11 years ago. And they had, like, the most badass cart back then. It had all these crazy upsells, and it was kind of too much. But I was like, ah, that's a really good idea. After they took out, give them an offer. And so we started from there. This is Vistaprint, right? You're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They advertise you like and the nine dollar. Yeah, they advertise you like the, the nine dollar business cards. You walk away with like a coffee mug, like a mouse pad, like some weird thing for your mom. Like you have all this like stuff, and you're like, uh, like you get like a mug with like your yeah. you know cat's face on it, and you're like, oh, I didn't intend that, but now I have that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that it's that a, is it's a, a very much. yeah. That's it's a good much. example right there. So you've been doing that on the upsells and cross-sells with other people's products though. So then it's a point you basically said, let's just upsell onto our own brand at that point. 
Well, we did a lot of split testing um, to make sure that it wouldn't hurt our margins and our revenue and this and that. But overall, it made way more sense. Um, it really hurt our conversion rate at all. We were selling our own product and making more margin, and then we were building our own brand. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been awesome for us. Yeah, I've had um, Jordan Gal from um, Cardhook on here, and they do a post-checkout um, upsell sort of thing where it's almost by its nature, right? You, it can't hurt your margin because they've already checked out. So worst case, it can, you know, do nothing, but best case, it could increase it. So that was one of those things too of you can really like incorporating some of the stuff is just, you're just leaving money on the table if you're not doing it. Um, and there's so many ways to do this nowadays. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, I like yeah. the idea how you said to grow your brand. That one, that's very, uh, that that's a nice, nice way to do that. Yeah, well, most retailers that are selling other brands, um, you know, the other brands are sort of embracing Amazon and cutting all the retailers out from selling on Amazon. Therefore, they're taking away all their, you know, half their sales. So I figure it's a good way to combat the retailers that are being treated this way. They can start their own brand and actually be competitive. So, um, you know, we had a little kickstart on growing our brand um, by having that retail store available, right? But like I said, even without that, we figured out that we would have hit seven figures in the first year. So um, it's just, I guess, fuel for thought. Yeah. So then where did you go next then? So you started, you're doing the upsell. Uh, at some point, you started actually selling the product. Was it on the same site in the store? Like, where did you actually, what was the first time you really started selling the product? Yeah, then we uh, basically started getting calls like, hey, I want to purchase this. We didn't even have it listed on our store. So we had to make a decision like, do we actually want to? have a brand because you got to get like insurance and it's kind of a whole new animal. <laughs> like we never did it before, you know? And um, so we decided, yeah, let's do it because we saw the writing on the wall with Amazon. So um, we basically, the biggest, biggest first step for us was seeing it on our um, retail website as a brand and then starting to add more products. We did the branding on our own, um, which was probably a mistake we bootstrap everything ourselves. We don't borrow any money. So we try to sort of like get started, like walk before we can run. So I guess the real serious push came when we went for our rebranding project. We had about 10 or so products at the time. Now we have like 30 or 40. And, um, you know, this beauty, like it's super, super competitive on and off of Amazon. So I think branding and appearance are like 90% of the battle, you know? We know the products are going to be good because my wife has just been doing this so long, knows all the ingredients, knows what to look for, and we already know what the gaps are because we've been selling all the top of our industry for the last couple of years. So then you hired someone to help with the branding um, when the, in the, of the physical product, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like images, like everything in our industry. And, and um, we have an internal full-time designer, but we just felt like we needed someone to come in from the outside and give us a really fresh look and feel. So we took on a really big branding design, just did the whole gamut for our websites and um, for our products and our logos and labels. And so if you go to ElenaMitchell.com right now, you'll see the uh, result of that. 
And um, am I allowed to say who I hired? I'd love to give her a shout out. She's awesome. Yeah, let's give her let's give her a plug. Yeah, she's out of um, Portugal. Her name's Joanna Gallo, and her company is called GIF Design Studios or GIF. I don't know. <laughs> how do you, how do you spell that? We can link to that. Yeah, yeah. GIF. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Design Studios. Um, she's amazing, and I super highly I, I give her out to everyone. You know, so that project I think really paid paid off for us, and that's a big mistake that I see with most brands out these days is their like branding isn't good enough or their packaging isn't good enough, and we're still working on ours. Yep. Yeah, that seems like one of those things. I feel like people at that point almost get like tired. Like they've kind of done all the things to get the product out and get it and actually like get it in people's hands. And at the time when it comes to like packaging and imaging, they're almost just like out of gas at that point and just like, uh, you know, we'll use the, you know, the brown cardboard box sort of thing. Like that's really the time where people, um, you kind of see who's really invested in the brand and who's just kind of using the brown cardboard box. I would argue, like, because I do a lot of consulting for physical uh, product companies, all the difference whether people are going to buy it or not. Whereas, like, when someone's going to, like, hire an agency, I don't know, they're like, you know, the branding's got to be good. But it's like, everyone's branding's pretty good. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, too. Even when you talk about the branding, not just the physical box, but even, like, the imagery that you're going to use on the site, the product photos, that sort of thing. And this is you know, they're skincare products, right? So you, you can't go too crazy, but like you need, you still need images. You need something, right? Um, and those kind of assets, and you're going to use those maybe in your, um, like if you, it's a physical store, right? On your end caps, like your printed media, but also digital is, you. that's like a requirement. That's just table yeah. stakes at this point. Yeah, totally, totally. So you got kind of the branding nailed, in, nailed down. It, so what what is the timeline here? So when did you actually stock giving away for a gift when did you start like doing yeah. the branding and when did this all happen i think we probably started giving away free gifts four years ago or so and then the branding project probably started a couple of years ago okay and then we really got serious about selling the products online about a year ago after the branding project was done i think that's how it all lines up so when you say you got serious what was what was that like what was the actual serious thing that you turned on I, I like that part of the story sure sure so um well we expanded our product offering and we made sure that all of our product offering had our new branding on it and we started pushing amazon and then started really pushing the product through our store our retail store so on our retail store when, once the branding was done we really broke down our funnel our blog gets a lot of visitors because i work for neil and i copy everything he does <laughs> And um, we figured out a way through QuizFunnel to actually create new customers um, through uh, blog visitors, which is for physical products, it's actually pretty tough if you're in a competitive industry. And then also through lead magnet, tripwire offers, how to create longer term customers. Um, and then with product offering, it's kind of an advantage. My wife's in the industry, and so she kind of knows what trends are coming up next. So. We have like four to eight products on our line that like, uh, gosh, like you, you've never seen anything like them, you know, they're just completely unique and it's that which can be hard to sort of convince people on because they don't know what they're looking at. But once they try it, they're just ecstatic, you know? Yeah. I so feel, I feel like quiz funnels that you don't hear of use very often, but this kind of feels like the perfect, um, 
the perfect use case for that kind of tactic, right? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people, I, I don't know, I mean, gain popularity, but they haven't really thought about, um, you know, uh, how to actually create a conversation with the people who are on your blog, because generally people are just, if you're blogging the way you should, they're probably getting answers to questions from your blog, and you're getting a lot of traffic from it, but at that point, you have to figure out a way to actually engage in a conversation with them. For us, QuizFunnels has been one of the awesome techniques we can use to actually engage in a conversation, create the relationship, and get them to try the tripwire offer. So for people who don't know, actually, what is a quiz funnel? I think everyone's kind of been on the receiving end of one, but what actually is one? What's happening in the background now? Sure. And if you want to see an example of ours, I should put um, our blog at skincarebyelena.com forward slash blog. Click on any article, um, we get like ten to 15,000 visitors a day. At the top of any article, whether you're on mobile or desktop, you'll see something to the effect. And keep in mind, we do a lot of split testing. But uh, it'll be something to the effect of, you know, are you taking the right steps to care for your skin? That's the quiz. So you click the button, and it basically just asks the customer a bunch of questions about themselves. And it's sort of, it's fun for people, you know, to go through because people like to talk about themselves, you know, like it's the old adage, if you're on a date, like just ask whoever you're on a date with a bunch of questions about themselves and like they'll be happy sort of thing, you know? So you get them talking about themselves, filling out the form, and before you know it, they're sort of like engaged in this random blog they just visited. And then by taking the quiz results, you can sort of put them in the buckets and each bucket you can assign a response. And for our responses, and you should go through our quiz if you're listening to this, it's pretty well done. Um, it, we have like a video on the landing page. Usually we do. We do a lot of testing, but usually there's a video and a bunch of recommendations, the content, tripwire offer, you know. It, for now, you you elected you had dry skin. Well, we, Elena makes this product that does just what you need, and you can buy it right now for 60 off, but you won't see this offer anywhere else, you know, that sort of technique. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I've always liked that because it's very prescriptive, right? It's, you're not just saying, you know, it, let's say you have six different products. You're not just saying you should buy this one like randomly just because that's the one I want you to buy. You're saying, let's go through this quiz. Um, here's, you know, the type of skin you have. Here's some information around that. And if you want to make that better, here's a product that can help you with that. Um, and for someone else, here's the other issue you have, totally different thing. Here's some things about that. But if you want to help with that, here's this product. So it's very, it's not just someone, you know, it's not like that random pop of ad on, you know, hey, you should buy this. It's you go through this and now they know something about you, the quiz generator person, and now they can kind of recommend something to you, right? So, and as a consumer, you start to actually say like, oh, they they know me at least, you know, I gave them some information and it starts mm-hmm. making sense and feeling it's not just like an ad. It's actually something to almost help you with that in that, uh, at that time. Yeah. I, I'm really into like free ways of paying new customers, you know, and blogging is one of the free ways you can do it. You know, if, if you do the right kind of posts and the right kind of link building and, you know, the right kind of keyword research and searching and all that, um, 
what, what is the right type of post actually? Because I see a lot of people doing the wrong types of posts where the, you know, saying oh, I got, you know, hundreds of thousands of visitors and no, like nothing comes out of it. And you're like, yeah, oh, like, what are you writing about? Um, so you know, what, what are the right posts and what should they be writing about? Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, obviously it depends on, you know, your vertical, but I'll just talk about beauty because that's where I'm at. Um, first of all, if you want to see how to write the best kind of post, definitely go to Neil's, one of Neil's blogs, whether it's neilpell.com or quickstrap.com. You'll see the length is generally over 2,200 2, words for each post. And that's the font's pretty big, the spacing's pretty big, there's a lot of bullets, there's a lot of little type posts. And in general, um, what you'll notice is that these posts are catered towards um, keeping people on the website for as long as possible. So <laughs> essentially, Google, the way it works is like, you know, it wants to serve people with the best possible result for their question. If they see people on your page, staying there longer and clicking around more and coming back, they're going to recommend your post higher above any other post. So at the end of the day, if you can answer the question better, and not only that, but there are 10 next questions as well, you're going to win, you know? So like load speed, of course, that will help, like making sure you're answering the right questions by doing keyword research, using the Google keyword tool. Neil has a free keyword tool now called Uber Suggest. Answer the public is a great keyword tool that's also free. So, and then also like one of the ways we get really great blog article ideas is by looking at the big competitors in our industry and just running like, um, actually Neil's free tool will do this too. You can type in their URL and it'll show you their top pages, their top articles, and then just doing it better, you know? actually a lot easier than you think like you don't even have to even be that good at blogging yourself you can literally look at what the best articles on the topics in your industry and just write more content and be more helpful and do a better job and get it started that way so you're basically literally just looking at a competitor at that point and saying you know they have articles on you know five ways to do x we're going to come out with 10 ways to do x and we're going to do it better and have more images and just just go way more get way more into it, right? And then you're just gonna rank on that question, how to do X, you're just gonna yeah. rank higher at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, it certainly helps to have some good links pointing to the blog article as well. But um, in general, if you're doing a better job at answering the question and keeping people on the site longer, you're gonna get bumped up. Hmm. So you still need to do some sort of promotion, right? It's not just, I mean, you know, yeah. write, it, write it and they will come. Yeah, we've gotten um, pretty good at promotion. Links can certainly help. Um, these days, we just broadcast the article out to our list, and we'll boost it on Facebook. We're getting clicks right now, like two or three cents per click on each article, which is like super cheap. But just because we've been doing it for so long, and the content's so good, and we're good at audiences and things like that, so we generate a little bit of promotion around the article, and then Google tends to. And it doesn't do it for every article, okay? Like you gotta, you gotta get at this specifically and, and for a long period of time. But you know, we found that some of our articles after six or eight months be like dominating the number one spot, and we really maybe only spent a couple hundred bucks on them. How long do you promote it? How long do you run the paid campaigns for? Is it indefinite, or is it just for the first X number of months or weeks, and then does kind of SEO just take over at that point? If we feel confident in our article, it'll be a couple weeks. Um, and then we'll stop and we'll let Google do its thing. 
and then we'll sort of revisit the article and see how it's ranking. And there's ways that um, you can go back in and add keywords. If you look at Google Webmaster Tools, you'll see what keywords you're currently ranking for and what you're not that you could be. And you can add more keywords. So we'll like go back in and soup up the articles over time. And after a while, we'll start connecting revenue to articles. It's at that point when we go back and say, okay, this is ranking high now. We're getting some sales from it. Let's go back and reboost this. Okay. So this is a really iterative process. Because I feel like a lot of people out there, they're just writing out, like just generating content. And they just kind of get stuck in the archives and they never go no back. They never look at it. Yeah. No one, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, no one not many people do what you're saying right here. So I think that's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's very important to kind of clarify. So you're basically putting out the article, seeing how it does initially in the first few weeks. And then from there, you might basically be doubling down and then doubling down again and keep going. Basically, you're going to keep, if it works, you're just going to keep using it. And if it doesn't work, you just move on to the next one. You got it. And uh, I think that's where people, it's like anything, people just give up, you know? <laughs> So if, if you're willing to actually do the work and go in and realize that you're going to have maybe nine failures for every one success and you're comfortable with that, like that's kind of how like internet marketing is, or at least it has been for me. I don't know. And so you kind of go back and you see what's working and then reboost it and you just got to pay the course. So you say boost it, you're saying run like a pay campaign on Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now you, if those articles are working, you go back in and you just see how you want to re-promote them. Or maybe we will build some links. Maybe we will um, reboost it. Maybe let's re-email our, our customer list about this. Or, or maybe let's post this on one of our popular pages and, and get more people in the funnel that way. So when you say, so for that initial, um, you launched a new post, that initial kind of rollout, when you say is um, it's working, how do you, like it, in the first couple of weeks, you might not be getting that many sales from a post. So how do you know that it's working at the beginning um, versus like, how would you tell a good post from a bad one? Yeah, um, there's a few different ways. Uh, first of all, it's mostly we look at the data around the Facebook boost, the posting on Facebook and, and how the boosting is done, like how much it costs, if people are clicking, so on and so forth, what all the stuff are. Then we go over to analytics and we see how long people are actually hanging out on the page and if they're clicking through or not. Of course, like you always look at revenue, but like we'll look at the quiz funnel that's associated with that article. So like quizzes, a lot of times people do the wrong thing and they do like one quiz for their whole website. Now we do that too, but we also do a custom quiz for each article that is performing well on our site. So if it's anti-aging, the quiz on that page will be like, uh, you know, Take this quiz if you want to figure out how to get rid of all the wrinkles under your eyes or something. I don't know. You know? So like we'll customize the quiz after the article starts doing well. I feel like I'm getting on a tangent though. What was your original question? No, I I, I like where this tangent's going. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I literally can't remember what the question I was asking at the Basically how how do you know initially that it's doing well? And I kind of oh, okay. Yeah. So it sounds like and you kind of know that by at first because at first you have no um, financials tied into it and you have no SEO results. So you're basically using your paid Facebook, in this case, social um, results to base to say, is this doing well? And if that looks good, that's when you start doubling down, then digging into analytics. And then at some point, that's when SEO starts taking over. I would say, um, I might've said that wrong. We're using a combination of both Facebook stats around the post and Google analytics. Okay. Look at the data and making that decision. Yeah. But then um, we'll still like, if it's breaking high, really quickly right away which sometimes can happen but rarely 
um, then we can hit the ground running, you know, but in general, it'll take like six to eight months for that article to really stick. And you'll look in your um, analytics and be like, oh my gosh, where did all the traffic come from? Oh, it's from that random article that started trending. Why did it start trending? Oh, someone linked to it because it's so well written or just something, you know? So then at that point, that's where you, you will go back and say, okay, we ran, you know, paid traffic for, let's say four weeks, and then just kind of let it do its thing for the next couple months, looked back at analytics and said, hey, you know, let's look at all the posts from six months ago, see which ones are look, looking the best right now, and then go back and almost rewrite or double down certain keywords at that point. Yeah. Change the title if they're not working. Title is just huge. Neil's whole thing is like titles everything. And I think he's right. You're getting people to click, you know, because oftentimes your meta title in search and your um, article title are going to be the same or at least show first. And so just, you know, invoking curiosity, scarcity, humor, excitement, like whatever you can do to stand out and answer the question in a way that the target customer who's browsing can click, I think it's huge. Yeah. So that, I mean, no matter what, right, you kind of, the title is the thing that gets people to click. So if you kind of do that wrong, they're not even on the site, they're not even on the article, they're not reading it. So like nothing, none of these other things can happen. So it's almost like you need to do that before you even have any other kind before you can even think about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And if you need good title ideas, I just tell people to always uh, follow uh, the Fox News or the CNN News apps on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> everything's breaking opinion, news like, everything's like scary it's always like this big alert yeah in my opinion they're both like the biggest fake news sources like in the universe like, i just think they're terrible <laughs> and i almost like it's almost funny for me to like look at the, how they bicker at each other like but the funny thing is they like they come up with these titles and they're really good for like what they're trying to promote their agenda but i actually think they're like some of the best <laughs> sources you can follow to find out crazy title ideas and then also you know the the world do a really good job yeah they definitely make everything sound like it's like this big deal like no matter what the big deal is um you have those news apps on your phone and whether it's like a tsunami that you know might have actually like affected like thousands of people or like a celebrity got a new haircut it, yeah it, they always make it sound like it's a huge deal and like you need to look at it right now or else like you're missing out um so important and they make like yeah make all these facts sound or uh, lies sound like facts you know like they just make it sound like a gospel and i'm like well that's like if we can apply that to our business and do it in a genuine way that's not ripping people off you know these could be some good title ideas right yeah kind of you know this is this is the only way to do that or it's very like <laughs> polarizing this i think yeah. that's kind of one of the things they've always very polarizing the way they title things so it kind of it's going to attract someone right like whether it makes you not let, either pull away from it or go towards it, but it's very polarizing because they take a very poor stance on this is the only way to do that or you must be doing X, that sort of thing. Yeah, and the thing that's fascinating to me too is that like depending on who's in office, one of the websites will hate that person and one of them will love that person. So they literally will write uh, the same article about the same subject, but they'll make this person sound like the devil or the best thing ever. And they both are so good at it. So to me, it's like exploring the dichotomy between how they wrote those titles is very interesting and it, it's thought provoking and idea provoking. And that's something you can actually kind of take away and do yourself on almost an article. And a lot of people don't do this where you almost have to like take a stance and say like, you know, five things in your business you should absolutely never, ever, ever do. Or, 
you know, here are the three things that you must be doing right now in SEO. Like, and they say this very like matter of fact, like you must be doing this. I'd never be doing this. And that's how you can even kind of bring this, you know, to your own articles and just polarize it, take a stance and just guarantee like, this is what you must be doing, must not be doing sort of thing. Yeah, you won't believe what these five CEOs got caught doing and landed them in jail. Yes. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. that's the, uh, like, oh yeah. Gosh, you know? <laughs> and, and you have to click at that point, right? Because you, yeah. you wouldn't believe it. Um, and that's the same type of article. It feels like you could use. And so then are you kind of going back and looking at the title and saying, oh, maybe we should change it to be more like this and trying something and then flipping back and forth? Like, are you... Are you A-B testing those, or do you just kind of know where to go at that point? Uh, we've been doing it so long, we don't do much A-B testing on the title, which Neil would probably slap me for. But um, you should. Yeah, you should. And it's really easy with WordPress. Most of us blogging on WordPress um, with, like, Optimizely or something like that. They make it so easy to, to test the uh, title with their plugin and stuff. Yep. But, yeah, I, I guess it's just because we've been doing it for so long, we kind of know what to expect. Uh, but, yeah, if we look back and the article isn't performing and the title is kind of sucky, we'll usually start split testing it then and try to revive the article. But some you, you got to know when to say no. Some articles just aren't going to perform. You got to know when to like focus your – you got to be writing a lot. You got to know which articles to really focus your energy on because in general, like the top 10 articles that we have will produce like 90% of our traffic. It's not 80-20, it's more, you know? So I want to be spending my time on those top 10 articles, making sure that they're growing and they're where they should be. And maybe the five next one and the rest of them, maybe not even touch at all. I like that. Very good advice. So to kind of wrap things up here, um, anything, any kind of last notes people should kind of remember and then also any kind of links, um, you know, we should include in the show notes sort of thing. Gosh, yeah, I feel like I've thrown out a lot of names and links. I, I don't know if I can remember it all. I want to make sure I answer your question for how we grew the brand seven figures within the first year. Um, I think one of the key components for us was um, Amazon and um, offering products first to market that we knew would be trending after a while in an extremely crowded, uh, you know, industry. For us, it was having the 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 knowledge uh, before anyone else of what we could release that would be trending soon and getting ahead of everyone on reviews and quality of listing and things like that. That's been hugely advantageous for us. And anyone can do it. It requires elbow grease, going to trade shows, networking, and figuring out what's going on in the industry, no matter how competitive. So that's been huge for us. We've leveraged things like Amazon Live, um, that probably most of you don't even know about yet. <laughs> we are very quick and very early to get on Amazon Live. Amazon does video ads now, um, and it's all on Amazon Live. Actually, if you go to the Amazon Live homepage, my wife's on it right now. <laughs> I should include a link for that. That was kind of surprising. So we're in touch with them. We got on it really early. So, um, yeah, as far as just how to scale our brand, Amazon's been a huge, huge uh, proponent of that. But also um, knowing, you know, what other relationships and what other websites to invest your time in. For us, our own retail site was obviously where we would start because it's the least path of resistance. But we figured out ways to start conversations, through Chris funnels, through Facebook groups, and through our funnel, 
in a genuine way where people wouldn't would want to try the product and they, they would want to talk to us as opposed to being turned off. So I think for us, that's the short summary and the key. And always being open to new things. So, like, we're launching wholesale soon. I'm not sure how much that will grow our brand, but it's pretty exciting. So, yeah. Awesome. That was super helpful. Um, if people want to find you, kind of see what you're doing, what can they, what's some best ways to reach you? Yeah, I would say um, probably for now, send people to beefysites.com. That's always kind of been my brand. Um, we're going to start doing courses there and start people about things like quiz funnels and e-commerce so you know if you want like we could talk we could talk the whole um show today just about the quiz funnel strategy um you know but we kind of brushed over a lot of different things so i'd say beefy sites i am on instagram so i think my instagram name is unfollowed jared <laughs> and then <laughs> um uh sites on facebook to my wife's brands if you just type in skincare and Elena in Google, it'll all come up. And so, yeah, let's follow us. And uh, thank you for listening. And please get with me if you have any questions. And thanks for having me. Awesome. It was great chatting, Jared. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Charles.